You're listening to. Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Hope you're doing well. Here to help you find your voice. I got you. Um, Hope you're staying safe. You know the drill. Wear your mask, wash your hands, physical distance, which is also known as social distancing. I have mad COVID brain right now. So I'm just going to give myself a little bit of self-love right now and acknowledge the fact that I'm putting sentences together because that is a real thing, you guys. But yeah, be smart and responsible and uh, please be healthy. It ain't over yet, y'all, but we're hanging in there. We are hanging in there, okay? Um, I'm going to bring the fire energy. There's, We're in Leo season, you know? It's time for leadership, and stepping into our spotlight. We are the main characters in our movies, y'all. I hope you are feeling that fire and taking that into every day as much as possible. Um, yeah, it's all we can do to stay positive, be there for each other. I love you. Really excited for this week's episode uh, because it's been a long time coming in terms of the ideation process to reality. Um, this week's guest is my girl, Lauren DeVera, who is an amazing human being, as you'll get to know on this episode. And we are about to talk about something that uh, philosophically I've been thinking about for a really long time, which is the concept and the the practice, the real-life manifestation of like playing small and how I've wanted to stop that and the way that that exists in my mind, um, why that exists, how it exists, and what I've been doing to counter that, to stop playing small. And Lauren is just such a bright light. And I hope that um, this conversation with her brings light to all of you in terms of addressing all the different ways you and I can minimize ourselves and uh, act out of place of fear and worry and anxiety and ego. Honestly, how the ego can kind of sway us in all these different ways and be a mechanism for for self-protection, but that self-protection, again, could result in us not taking certain risks, being brave, being our truest selves. And again, I actually think this is really, really hand-in-hand with Leo season. That Leo season is all about, again, the fire and leadership, charisma. Like, J-Lo is a Leo. You know what I'm saying? She is like the consummate Leo. (laughs) You want to look at a Leo? Look at J-Lo. She's in her 50s. Okay, I'm sorry. We just need to take a second and pay homage to the queen that is JLo. Judge her all you want. Think all these things. There are people, but it is what it is. She's she's a freaking, she's a beast. She's a goddess. And um, she owns who she is at the end of the day. And I just think that that's fire. That's something that I'm really incorporating into my life. Why well, I want to talk about this with Lauren. I love how I started with Lauren. I ended up in JLo. This, again, y'all, is the sign of the times. There's going to be a point in the future after COVID is is handled. I'm praying for that day. Please let it come soon. And I'm going to listen back maybe on these episodes, and I'm just going to laugh my butt off, my very non-JLo butt off, because 
I think it's just a time capsule. This is taking genuine effort for me to think through this sentence and put this out for there for you. But as much as uh, this is labor intensive, it's also really, really good for me. And I'm just so grateful for this space. And first of all, and all of you guys tuning in and hoping that this can be a good space for you to rest your head and get some encouragement and, and enlightenment and enlightenment and inspiration, because that's what the whole purpose and intention behind creating this podcast was. So back to Lauren. She is a movement and positive wellness advocate, and she is devoted to empowering others through various modalities, which include yoga, bar, dance, and self-care. I am working on all of those aspects of my life. I've got the yoga part down, not so much the bar and dance, and getting better on the self-care. So Lauren has a thing or two to teach me about these things, and she'll teach many things to you. She is a certified yoga teacher. She's a positive psychology practitioner and mindfulness stress-based reduction teacher. Okay? And she's the creator and founder of The Lion's Den, which is a community-driven and operated organization that's dedicated to inclusion, self-expression, and positive wellness through weekly dance movement wellness programming. And she has a very deep love of movement, mindfulness, and positive psychology. She created Mind Move Matter, which is a brand she dedicated to sharing nuggets of wisdom and inspiring others to live well and flourish. She loves people, and I love her, and she helps them live to their fullest potential. And then she's also launching her podcast very soon. Actually, at the point, if you're listening to this in August, she will have launched it. Um, Her new podcast, Thrive and Thread, which is a show that guides people from self-doubt to self-love. And I hope that you truly, again, get a lot out of this episode. Please look more into Lauren's work. Um, Attend her classes. She's just really an inspiration to me. Her realness and her authenticity is, is great. So I hope that you enjoy this episode on Stop Playing Small with Lauren DeBera. I hope you enjoy. Take care of yourselves. How are you doing, Miss Lauren? Goodness, isn't that the question of the past like four months that just weighs so heavy? How are we at four months? I I know, isn't that crazy? I was like, holy crap, I've been leading online experiences for four months and it's just insane. So I am good. I am taking a nine day break in August. So I've just, it's kind of like that senioritis of like, you know, your little break is almost there. And you're just kind of trying to get through like these last few days, but I'm doing good, you know, receiving a lot of fresh insight. There's like a turning that's happening inside me and I feel like around me, but doing good. And yeah, nine day break. That's really, I genuinely admire that coming from somebody that doesn't know how to take breaks in general. And Mm -hmm. that's something I'm working on. Um, that's so dope. Wait, so you, can you walk me through your day to day? Cause the last time I just want to set a context for listeners that we had spoken two months ago and that was like, a again, <laughs> I feel like every week is a different era <laughs> and <Yes. I'm> like <laughs> it was already a lifetime ago when we first spoke and you're like walking me through, what's your day to day been like? Like how you said you've been doing like online classes. I gave the intro of like your work and your background, but can you walk me through what your daily life has been? Yeah. Um, So once COVID hit and I, so for context, you know, I was teaching 
uh, yoga bar, meditation, and dance classes in person at various places in the DC metropolitan area. And once COVID hit and we entered quarantine, um, I had that thought of like, well, now I have all this free time. What if I took these class times and made them into virtual classes? So I did that and I didn't miss a week. I've been teaching online classes since the last week of March. Oh my Um, goodness. No, like no break, like no break whatsoever. And, um, but yeah, it doesn't, it didn't feel like as much work because now I wasn't driving. I wasn't Mm -hmm. sitting in traffic. I wasn't getting parking tickets and all this other stuff. (laughs) Um, so it's been really nice to like, work from home. But yeah, like the start of my day, I've been trying to, I try to wake up at the same time every day. It really depends on the night before, Mm. but I'll start like with my morning routine, which is about, I take about an hour and a half to two hours just to like hang out with myself and make coffee and, um, do my morning stuff, which, which includes like journaling and some brief meditation um, and then taking a look at my day, what I need to plan, what I need to prepare, what's on the calendar. And then from there, I really live by my calendar, whatever uh, class I'm about to teach or um, a class that I'm going to attend or a phone call with someone. So since quarantine, I've actually had a very strict regimented schedule every day. And it's been really nice because it was not like that at all pre-COVID. That's so. incredible. Your life is goals for me. And and I want to, I kind of actually want to recognize that I've been increasingly on your level, that I have been doing more of that routine that you're talking about. And I actually started on this over a year ago with this thing called Miracle Morning, where- Yes! Yeah, is that, that is book. That, <laughs> it's so good. It honestly, I mean, there's that whole stigma that some people have. We're gonna, we can talk about all these things, but people have on like self-help books and things like that. And I, I've been working on just having an open mind and be like, you know what? Like it's it could be something that really genuinely benefits me. And so I opened my mind to that. I implemented it. It was really, really life changing, even though I didn't do it. I did it at the first go like for four months, but four months straight out of zero is ridiculous. And then I totally fell off. And then now I'm like integrating it back in my life to do like a morning routine like you're doing. Yes, it's amazing. No, I I read that book, I think, two years ago in March. I still remember. Yeah. And I did the audio book and I already forget what some of the letters were. That, mm-hmm. But, you know, it was like scribe, you yeah. know, exercise, uh, visualize. Um, I have it like on a note on my iPhone somewhere. But. Yeah, it's uh it's a game changer for sure. And it's it's like the simple things that you we all know how to do, but to make time that's really the hardest thing is making time for it mm-hmm. and then showing up and just doing it. For so. sure. And this is so perfect. I love that we're talking about morning routines because of course we're we had stewed over how we can kind of come up with something meaningful to, you know, share on this podcast. And it was just so good to get to know you and your work at the, at the top of everything, especially during this time, you know, like I genuinely felt this has been the best part of COVID for me is getting to connect better with myself, but then also like, it's an opportunity to connect with other people that I really vibe with. And you're one of those people, Lauren, like when I connected with you, it was through, I I'm very much a believer in synchronicity and divine timing. Right. So I felt like you know, things can seem so random, but we had a mutual friend, Jessica, 
who connected yes. us because she listened to my podcast and she made the intro. And there's something about like, yo, I, I haven't talked to or seen Jessica in years, but she's a dope chick. And if she recommends Lauren, then like, hell yeah, let's talk. <laughs> and then so from our initial conversation, I felt like a good vibe and a good connection with you. And I felt like when I spoke to you at that time, you spoke a lot of life into me when I was having like a weird moment. Obviously, everyone's been coping with tons of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But I just remember that we spoke about a lot of different things. We were just getting to know each other, but we spoke about like not playing small. And that, that like blew my mind because there's so many frameworks of like life that you can look through how you live day to day. And when you yeah. said that, it genuinely like, my mind blew a little. You know what I mean? I was like, whoa, okay, yes. <laughs> I have totally been playing small. And it's it, it connects to what we're talking about now, which is these habits and these things that seem so simple and so so minor, I guess, in like, oh, you sit down and you take 10 minutes to write in your journal or something like that, right? <laughs> but like mm -hmm. the barriers, because that's what has been really, really expanding in my mind, like being aware of like the barriers that I have in life. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I think um, when people hear journaling, they think that it's like a dear diary type of thing mm -hmm. or like... You know, I mean, I am, I love documenting my life because I have really bad, um, like long-term memory. Like I can't remember <laughs> stuff from far uh, back. Uh -huh. So, but like really going back to what you were saying about, um, this transformation, like there's no way to know you're transforming if you don't even know where you were before or mm. where you are in this current moment. Um, and you know, to play off of what you had said earlier, like I really connected with you, like Jessica made the connection. Then I also, of course listened to a few of your episodes and just really admired your ability to be so transparent um, and just really raw, like in the best way, which I think I gravitate towards women like that, especially those that identify as Asian American. Mm -hmm. um, and you had said a comment on one of the episodes about like this thing that we you had about other Asian girls or something like that. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> someone said it. Someone said it out loud. That's how I that's how I feel all the time with Filipino girls. They don't know that. But yes, like, I Do mean, that's. <laughs> that I was I remember I don't remember which episode it was, but I do remember saying that. And I remember feeling hella scared to say it. <laughs> But I was like, no, I'm going to say it anyway. Because that's the point, right? That was like yes. literally my intention. And the whole concept of setting intentions was like a new thing that I was, you know, integrating into my life. Mm -hmm. But that was an intention on this podcast is I want to be able to say out loud with other people what I feel internally to kind of find authenticity for real. Because you can say, you can front it and be like, oh, I'm I'm real, I'm authentic, I'm da-da-da. But when push comes to shove, if you were to put your innermost voice out into the world and be okay with it or not be okay with it, that to me, for me, was like a test, like a litmus test of <laughs> can can I can I articulate some of my most innermost thoughts out loud? So I, I love that that was something that connected with you because I remember being so scared to say exactly. it. Exactly. Like, oh yeah. shit, someone's gonna come at me. And but I have to say it because it's true. No, it's it needs to be said. I think I I had heard it on another podcast too, um, the Filipino American Woman Project. The host uh, Jen Amos said the same thing about just like how other Filipino girls were mean to her growing up. And like, I felt like I kind of experienced that as well. And 
also understanding that what we experience is not necessarily the reality, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it's our perception of the experience, but my perception of reality was I didn't fit in with Filipino girls. You know, I didn't grow up in the Philippines. I was born here in the States. I don't speak the language. I look different because I'm not 100% Filipino. And then like, you know, you and I also talked about like culture shock and, and dancing and stuff like that. And just realizing how different I was from the Filipinos that I was dancing with. Like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy how the upbringing was so different. Um, can you can you talk about that a little bit? Because I love, that was something we were definitely bonding over. And I still, like, I want to continue to know that about you. Because I, growing up in the Bay Area, I was exposed to a lot of kind of what we call now, which is it's just an interesting time that we're reflecting on how, even the labels that we're putting on things, but like the urban culture, right? And mm-hmm. um, feeling very connected to choreo, even though I can't dance, really. Like, I can, but I can't. Like, let's be real. I'm <laughs> I'm not there. But I'm like super into that whole scene and um, that that lifestyle. And that's something that I, I see in your swagger and your talent and everything. I was really curious to learn more about that. That was something that connected me to you and to like my that's why I feel like my roots are is is in that energy and that um but I do know that that's a very specific culture so I'm curious if you're down to share about that particular part about like growing up in the dance scene yeah dance scene and like the the Filipinos because it's so interesting that you it's a specific experience of you in the dancing with Filipino uh, people and Filipino Americans, because mm-hmm. I felt that same way about being Korean, being Korean American, being Asian American. And it's mm-hmm. funny how like all those are very universal yet specific. So yeah, I'm just curious, like, what was your experience like in the dance world? Yeah. Um, so I'm like trying to think. So going back to like where I grew up. So initially I had like grown up in really like preppy um, like mostly white community, which when you're a child, you don't realize you're in a white community like Mm -hmm. until much later and then when my parents divorced you know I moved to a different part of Virginia and you know things just started shifting for me um but I would say that like the first not even talking about the dance company but my first culture shock of Filipinos was going to ODU Old Dominion University down in Virginia Beach where you know there's a naval base right there and, you know, there's hella Filipinos when I was like one of four in my graduating class. Wow. So, and then, you know, of course I joined like the Filipino organization down there and then just really realizing how much I didn't know about my culture, you know, and that could have been because, you know, I grew up in a household where it was just my mom and I, mm-hmm. and, you know, I never heard Tagalog being spoken. And then... Um, but I'll, I will say that the Filipinos that I met at ODU were so welcoming and definitely that, you know, what, when you think of a Filipino person, you think warm and friendly, at least I do. Yes. <laughs> warm, yeah. friendly, inviting, you know, mm-hmm. funny, hospitable. And they were all those things for me. And then, you know, after college graduation, I joined Culture Shock DC and to be honest, I think it's the culture thing also comes down to where we were living, like the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I realized people who lived in Maryland, grew up in Maryland, all knew each other, all have been hanging out together since they were kids. And then I feel like anyone that was from Virginia was kind of like an outsider coming onto this team because 
majority of people were DC or Maryland. And it felt like everyone already knew each other. So I was like the new kid jumping in, trying to, you know, find my place, but then also realize that, man, I didn't, I wasn't interested in some of the same things and I didn't find the same things funny. And (laughs) it was just, yeah. So you're like, you're feeling othered. I mean, that's like a very common feeling, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just like not, you're not quite vibing, but you want to. I mean, that's just, I feel like part of mature, like a coming of age, if you will. But I feel like adults feel that too. It doesn't matter if you're like 13, which was for me when I made a major move that was my culture shock from being in like a super diverse and Asian American area, which was like the South Bay and the Bay Area to like East Bay, where it was completely white. Wow. There are all these like recognitions of otherness or like feeling separate from from the pack right and and I, I I think that that's a continuous experience which I think when you're an adult it can be more welcomed because you learn like okay going to a new place with new people is good for me but at different points I feel like it's still mad uncomfortable it doesn't even if you oh, know yeah. like intellectually okay this is a good experience for me it's going to help me grow and I'm going to become a better person and gain perspective like I think the experience is still pretty universally awkward and like where do I belong yeah (laughs) I think it actually I think we make it more awkward because now as adults we're way more aware of ourselves versus Mm -hmm. when you're a kid you just see someone you're like hey let's be friends and you're like okay and then you're friends versus like adults you know now everyone you know trying to even just schedule a coffee date with a friend now is difficult that's um, so true. I, I've actually had somebody ask me, and I would love to, if you want to chat about let's let's do this, and also <laughs> a continued conversation. But there's a whole there's a whole conversation to be had specifically about making friends as an adult, like mm-hmm. finding your your a crew, or even like even not even that, just like a friend. Like say that you move somewhere different or start a new job. Um, to make friends as a as a grown up is a different challenge for sure. Yes, absolutely. I think, too, just because everyone is doing, I mean, let's be real, like self-care is like so popular right now. It's trending and like doing the inner work and healing the inner child and the trauma that, you know, you see it everywhere Mm -hmm. now. Like therapists are now like Instagram celebrities because of the content that they're putting out. And now there's just more awareness for all this stuff. And I think I like to think of it kind of like um like reflection is good like an- analyzing and reflection is good to a certain degree mm-hmm. but if we go too far into it that can lead us into anxiety it can lead us into some dark places like if i over analyze <laughs> my life like i need to analyze it to a certain you know certain point so that i can make change and and notice where i need to improve but Oftentimes what happens is a lot of us get stuck in that analytical mode. Girl, you're preaching to the choirs. You're like speaking to my soul right now. Can you can you walk me through that? Because I think I mean, you clearly have listened to one of my recent episodes, which was about the inner child, which was which was so life changing. And I'm so glad that I did it. And I think vast majority is like I came out of it a better human being and I'm grateful I do say, yeah, the flip side, you're so, I don't know, you're just speaking so much truth into my life right now, (laughs) which is that on the other side, it has caused a lot of like hardcore 
self-analysis and self-awareness and like being in COVID, you know, quarantine and having more time or space for that has kind of, it, it dips, you know, into the yeah. like, we need to, we need to scale back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like I'm an avid learner. I love digging deep and finding how I can, you know, reframe these patterns that I've had in my entire life. You know, you you were so vulnerable in your last episode uh, and I'll be vulnerable here about, um, you know, my inner child pain w- was feeling left out and like I didn't belong. Mm. And it goes way deeper. Um, I was like born into a blended family and both of my parents were previously married and had children. So then I came in and there was a huge age gap between me and my half siblings. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to my, my sisters and my mom um, a few days ago for my birthday. And I like started crying because I somehow got into the conversation about how like I was telling my sisters, I'm like, you guys have the same dad and the same mom, you know? And I was like, my brothers, they have the same dad and the same mom. And it it sounds like crazy, like it wouldn't impact me, but I'm like, there is no one that has the same dad and same mom as me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I understand like, yes, I'm an only child, which most only children, most only child, is that a thing? Most only <laughs> child humans don't have like other siblings that they're kind of like thrown into. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it was like, it's just always shown up for me, which later in turn became like my, my passion to always make people feel included. So I am grateful for that experience, but I mean, I don't want to go off track on. No, um, <laughs> um, speak whatever you want. Yeah. And I think it's also finding a nice balance of, okay, do the inner work, you know, realize where these pain points are coming from and, and ask yourself, why do I do those things? Why do I get offended when X, Y, Z happens? Mm-hmm. Why does that tick me off? You know, and just getting curious and staying curious um, and I feel like if a, more people did that, you know, there would be obviously more peace. There would be more um, healthy relationships um, yeah. because oftentimes, like if we want to talk about relationships is people are entering into a relationship looking for someone to save them or to rescue them or to yeah. pull them away from their inner turmoil. When we all know it doesn't work like that, like no one here on this earth was created to be your happiness. Like we have to find that within ourselves. and. You know, that depends on people's faith and their spirituality. Um, But yeah, I think it's also helpful to be surrounded by other people who aren't so much into doing the work. Like my fiance is complete opposite of me, where he's like, like he'll make fun of me and be like, I know you study positive psychology and this stuff. He was like, you're just hungry. Just go eat something. Like, (laughs) like he brings me back down to earth. Like, I don't have to analyze everything. I don't have to bring in everything that I'm learning and, and, and apply it to every single thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I end up not living my life, you know, so I end true. up trying to, you know, tiptoe and be the best person that I can be when really like, we're all a little effed up. We all have traumatic stuff and the best way to really move forward, which is what I appreciate, appreciate about you is being vulnerable and transparent and honest about our own stories because and I'll say this again I say this all the time when we 
shed light on those dark places and we share our story, we create space for other people to do that. And it's almost like giving permission for other people to come forward and say, hey, I actually deal with the same things too. Mm-hmm. I just want to hug you. I'm like, we, I'm we can do you. that. In, I'm <laughs> hugging you virtually. It, I, I, yeah, there's some divine timing happening right now as we are speaking about this. It's, uh, it's been quite a journey for me. And you, when was your birthday? Sidebar. I'm like, the thing I was, I was like, mm. it was July 20th. Oh so my God. Monday. We're, Monday. We're two happy belated birthday. My birthday Thank was on you. Saturday and we're, oh my God. Cancer what? babies. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that makes sense. <laughs> Soul sisters, I love it. And and it's all of the things you said. I mean, it's definitely kind of seeing everything from family to childhood experiences to assess, right? And I think that it's been really, really useful. I don't take away anything from doing that analysis. I really credit that analysis to understand why I am the way that I am. Like, how did I get here? What are the patterns, especially? And then being able to actually look at a lot of these things in a very objective way, which has been really helpful for me for someone who's so feeling and sensitive and kind of, I can get swayed one way or the other based on like my mood or like what happens, right? And that as an adult for me has been a challenge to find groundedness. Like you're saying, like have my feet on earth without getting too out in the stratosphere with all these like, intense emotions with all of these hyper analytical thoughts and like these this meta mindset of like oh well like this means that and now this is this is reflective of my trauma blah 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 and yeah that all might be true but I don't want that to like launch me into outer space I would like to stay here on earth so that I can apply those things and not lose myself or lose you know like kind of just lose it in general every time And that's kind of the double-edged sort of self-awareness. I feel like you get so aware of why certain Mm. things are happening or how things happen that it can kind of consume you in this other way. And that's what I've been just like navigating, like definitely working through each time. Yeah. It's so weird to like hear you speak because I not... (laughs) It's weird to hear you say things that literally just resonate so much with my soul about like having to check in with our, our moods. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, one day I'm like, I can like take on the world (laughs) and then the (laughs) next day I'm like crying my eyes out. Um, and yeah, the needing to feel grounded because, you know, we're, I feel like we're both very creative beings, very, um, imaginative beings and people who, who can really assess a room. And like, I feel like you're the type of person that can know immediately when someone's fake like just mm-hmm. like not good energy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because we have this like sensitivity to energy, it, it's often like, I use this visual in uh, when I lead meditation of a firefly, you know, when you would like try to catch a firefly and you would uh-huh. cup it in your hand, but you you cup it so delicately so you don't crush the light, right? You don't crush this beautiful little creature. Ooh. And I feel like we're a lot like that. Like there's this wow. delicacy to us. Our, our light shines so bright and um, we do too much or you mess with it too much, you could really crush it. So I think you were spot on about being grounded and about, you know, this is why mindfulness is so important because it comes back to self-awareness. What do I need right now in this moment? Like if I'm in Mm -hmm. a bad mood, like instead of trying to get out of the bad mood, sometimes I, I just sit with it. 
mm-hmm. like just sit through it and let it pass through you and move through you. And, and that's why movement and sweating and getting our endorphins released is so important because, you know, emotion is energy in motion, right? It's not, we're not supposed to be stagnant with it. Mm. And, you know, that's why so many people go towards exercising or working out as a means of therapy. Yeah. Because it's, it's doing that stuff for them. So. It does. It's that I love that you said it's emotion, like energy and motion for sure. And that's what I was learning through fitness journey stuff. Because for me, exercising was just a means to an end because of vanity sake and like recognizing how that existed in me and still does to a degree since I was a teenager with issues with like my body, right? Like having a lot of um, self-consciousness or insecurity and honestly, a lot of self-hatred of like hating my own body. Mm-hmm. Even exercise and movement and like what I've experienced going to raves and going to concerts and going to going clubbing. Like, honestly, that was a big deal for me because it was where I felt free. It's where I felt like one with music. I felt out of my body. I felt out yes. of that uh, headspace of like feeling um, kind of trampled by all of these voices and all these different things I'm supposed to be. And you just get to be free. So I'm totally with you in terms of letting your body out through movement. I think that that's such a powerful thing. And it it touches upon something that I'm recognizing, especially during quarantine, and even what I was exploring before quarantine happened, which is merging the practical with the abstract, right? Like, I'm a very emotional creature. I have a lot of feelings. I am creative. Um, And then there's other part of me that's like, really practical, like, okay, I'm feeling all these things, like, then what is there to do in order to harness that or to release that or whatever it is that I need to do. And that's what I want to help other people with because we're all different, right? Like I might be somebody that in my current state am more self-aware. I'm very in touch with my feelings, but I definitely have friends who feel really separate from their emotional selves, right? Like they feel like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know how to cry and I don't know how to express myself, right? Um, I have a range of friends who have different experiences. And so I try to use my example not to be like, this is how it's supposed to go, but as options, I guess, like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways that we can approach getting in touch with feelings. Or if you are in touch with your feelings, how to like navigate all the the mayhem that comes with being in touch with your feelings, right? There's like a spectrum there. So I just love that dancing or meditating or like fitness or whatever it is. These are all kind of like opportunities. Not necessarily like the end all be all like, oh, you should do this. If you don't feel, you know, emotionally sound, then go do that. It's not a formula, right? right. But it's kind of like there, there's so many ways that we can access and harness or or navigate that. Because I genuinely feel for friends that come to me and they're like, Minji, I don't know the last time that I cried. You know, that to me is because I'm so emotional. I'm like, I cried like 40 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yesterday. I yeah. Um, you know, I listened to a really good Celine Dion song and I cried. Um and and so to me, that's like a frightening thing to not be able to express and not let that out. I'm like, Jesus, like how does that feel to like hold that all in, you know? Um yeah. so I'm just constantly thinking about these different frameworks. But I love that you you have that through dance. And I'm actually working on that because I have such and insecurity when it comes to dance. Like I tried choreo so many times. I think I told you this. I tried dance so many times and I just, okay, historically, I cannot do it. Like I can't finish an eight count. I don't know if it's just muscle memory, but I struggle. 
but I'm going to keep dancing anyway. <laughs> yes, you will. You'll keep dancing. Um, it's funny that you brought that up. And because I forget who I forget who I was talking about. Um, but, you know, I, I led that uh, self-care party earlier this week, which was mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, but really, I think as I'm getting older and, you know, we evolve every day, like we're not the same as we were yesterday, um, really moving towards like movement rather than dancing like sometimes I don't even want to use the word dance which is crazy um because there's like there's so many blockages that come up for people about you know the common phrase I can't dance right or like that dance is an eight count when it's not right you know and like also yeah, I, even though I did grow up doing choreo as like currently where I'm at, it's like the freedom is in just being able to move, you know, it's, and I was doing a private lesson uh, yesterday with a 13 year old and I was saying to her, or she was saying that she has trouble coming up or dancing in the moment or freestyling or something like that. And that's when I was like, well, dance is about the present moment. I said, you shouldn't be trying to remember moves you learned last week. Like the goal here is for you to just move when you hear the music, like to connect with the music. And I told her, I was like, I know you're 13, but I'm going to talk to you like an adult. (laughs) And she's just like looking at me. Um, But yeah, you know, and I, that's why um, I love doing events like this. Like I created this class called Be Free. And it's literally like a dance party where you're not necessarily learning choreo, but we're just it's like we're partying at home and, you know, you brought up going to the club and like feeling free and all this other stuff, you know, to take it into the direction that what I didn't realize back then when pre COVID, like when I would go to the club and why it felt so good and why I just felt so happy after like dancing at the club was it's also like a spiritual experience that's happening. And I feel like we don't talk about that enough that you know, oh, I'm just dancing at the club. Like, no, like when you are in the music and you don't give two Fs and you're just moving your body and you feel free, like you're connecting to something beyond yourself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. This, I was funnily talking to a friend about raves the other day, actually, right before my birthday, we were talking about going to concerts and things like that. And I was reflecting on the time I, I I went through the whole EDM thing and I still love it. I was actually listening to it this morning as I worked out. <laughs> um, but it was definitely the Avicii, Cascade, David Guetta, like Tiesto yes. era. And I had never experienced that. And I kind of shied away from it. And I, I, I had framed it in my mind as something I wasn't into. But then when I went to Outside Lands in San Francisco with a friend and I, I was at uh, Dead Mouse with like thousands upon thousands of people wow. feeling this music. Yeah. It took me to a whole other place and I was instantaneously hooked. And the funny thing is that I mentioned about the raves that I've gone to. Everybody assumes a certain thing of like, oh, you went to EDC. I did. And you went and you rolled. And I I rolled honestly twice in my life. And both times I felt were complete waste of putting an unknown substance in my body. So I'm not about that. And uh, spending money. And I was, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, a young 20-something-year-old. And I was just like, for all ca- all intents and purposes, I felt like it was a waste of life to to roll Molly. Um, and I haven't. Those are the two times I tried. 
And I never stopped going to raves because I just, I was like, the music is a drug. And the mm-hmm. music was such a good vibe. And I didn't care about anybody else or anything. And I could dance when I'm, I get tired fairly easily because I'm a hyper person. But I would dance for like four hours straight and wow. not get tired because the music and the energy was so good. And recognizing that was something I loved. Yeah, I kept gravitating towards it. And I'd say 98% of the things I've gone to, like rave-wise or whatever, I've been sober, you know, in terms of substances. I don't drink. I don't. And people have assumptions about that. So it's interesting for me to share that because it's also stigma around that culture, right? Like, oh, if you go clubbing or if you go to raves, it's like because you want to go do drugs and because you want to go hook up. And I was like, no, I genuinely went for the music. I went because it was a spiritual experience for me. And Mm -hmm. I felt defensive of that personally, that people would assume things about me, the things I put in my body or what my agenda is or whatever, which I think is, I mean, it's human nature, but that's even how I felt about that kind of spirituality when it, for me, it really was about dancing and music. No. Yeah, totally. And I love that you brought that up. Um, Because yeah, other people, when you, when they hear the term clubbing, they immediately think one thing. And, you know, at the time I'm, well, now reflecting back pre, you know, pre COVID, it's like, we need those experiences. And I, I, even though I'm a dancer, like I never really realized how much the music was such a huge part of the experience. Um, but now it's like, you know, we need a playlist for everything, like for your morning routine, before you go to sleep, like music is therapy. You know, and it's been scientifically proven the changes that it can have in your brain um, and giving you more joy, more awareness. Um, So, yeah, people have talked about music therapy, about mm -hmm. how it just activates a different part of our brains and that they do that even for people with dementia or like people will remember songs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like they can forget who their family is, which is devastating, like. But they'll remember songs from their youth. And I think there's something really powerful about that because it can really quickly change my mood if I have a good playlist. Like, to be honest, I was feeling a little slow and lethargic. And then randomly, I was like, I want to listen to Levels by Avicii. So I turned (laughs) it on this morning. Girl, I went running. And I haven't run in months because I've been on this walking thing. Um, But it gave me a different boost of energy. So I'm just like... I'm all about that. And I'm very curious to what you think about music and movement and all of these things that we're talking about, about freedom in the topic of what we had originally been talking about, which was playing small and connecting that even to like what you're realizing about your former self and like your inner child and everything. How do you think that you've evolved or how do you think that played into playing small or or not being your fullest self, I guess? To me, that's how I look at it. I'm curious, like, how do you think all those things have played out in your life? Because those are, that's the biggest thing I'm sitting in currently right now. Mm. It's to kind of like be fully myself. I don't even know how to explain that. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I think that's amazing that you're making that connection um, as far as the movement. Because I will say since quarantine, I, I have not like, as a dancer would say, gone off, like just danced and like, was drenched in sweat, like just from dancing my ass off, um, versus, you know, dan- drenched in sweat. Cause I'm taking someone else's class, but you know, dancing, be- 
you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the playing small part, it's... Uh, and I was thinking about it before we got on this about why have I been playing small? Like, I think there's definitely a fine line of like trying to be humble and then completely playing small. Mm. Um, and it's like, well, how can you be confident and be an advocate for yourself without playing small? Um, and those are some tough things that I've been working through, uh, in quarantine as like employers are asking me to come back and, um, just advocating for myself of like what I feel safe doing and what I don't feel safe doing and being really aware of like how the employer treated their people during quarantine and like, did they check up on us before they're rushing us to come back and teach in person? And, um, and then on top of that too, with even something like Instagram, you know, I'm, I have to promote my own classes now where pre-COVID I was only promoting the Lion's Den, which was, for those that don't know, is a, a community driven organization where we provide weekly experiences, um, mostly movement, but we've been expanding beyond that. But the Lion's Den, what I noticed too, was it's easier for me to promote the Lion's Den because it, it's not my name. Right. And it, it seems separate from me, but then trying to promote my own classes, my thoughts were like, oh, they're going to get sick of seeing this damn flyer every week. Uh, they're probably going to unfollow me because I keep saying the same damn thing. Um, you know, like none of these followers are even taking my classes. So what's the point of even like right. oh <laughs> posting it, you know, can having that clarity, like just because someone's following you doesn't mean they're your, you know, they're your ideal audience. You know, if we want to talk marketing here or business yes. here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just was like, wow, like it's a that's lot. That's sad. Yeah. Did you, I mean, I've definitely been going through so many versions of myself, even with this podcast, right? Like putting my voice, separating, because originally for me, I started podcasting for collaboration, right? Which was with Marvin and we were talking about other people's stories, which are, you know, Asian American creatives. And it was dope. It was, it was such a good gateway because I genuinely was, I am, and I was passionate about sharing other people's stories, learning about their journey. Like, how did you get from being, you know, the bio nerd like myself to becoming, you know, touring as a musician? Like, I want to know that that journey. It's inspiring to me. And that was like an easier thing to, like you said, to promote another brand, another person, Mm -hmm. another uh, story. But then Marvin was like pushing me. He was like, hey, because I was hounding him about dating and stuff. I was like, so what's going on? Like, talk to me. He's like, you should host your own podcast. And he's like, (laughs) you have lots to say. And just the idea of that was so weird to me. And it was like exciting because I wanted to. And I think there was something about the fact that I really was like, ooh, could I? But then I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's so audacious. Like, that's so, I don't know what, I put all these labels on it of like why it didn't make sense or why it scared me. You know, just like, mm-hmm. oh, me by myself, like my own show. <laughs> Who would listen to that? What would I even say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And reflecting on that, I still I still feel that sometimes, but it, I'm, I feel it, but I work through it because it's the working through it that I think is really valuable for me. And, and then it bleeds into everything else that I'm doing. 
just showing up for myself as myself, as an entrepreneur, like I'm working on a company that is in beta testing, which is crazy. I never thought that I'd be doing that. And just promoting self and being solid in my own skin. Still in my mid thirties, I'm, I'm learning how to do that every day. And there's a lot of fear. There's so much fear of judgment. I think is that, is that something that like clicks for you is because as you're you have your own podcast now. Can we talk about that? Because that was a new thing since we last talked. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, I just want to say I was smiling just hearing you. Um, it's it's just crazy how it's so easy to cheer someone else on and not do that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking the other day, like, what would it look like if I could just show up every day and believe in myself the way everyone else does? And like see myself as the badass that other people see me as like what I could be doing way more, you know, not that I need to do way more. Like sometimes what we're doing is enough, but you know what I mean? As far as like pushing past, like what's comfortable. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that you said yes to doing the podcast. And oftentimes it'll take someone else planting that seed in us in order to think about it. And I believe that's how God shows up is in through other people and other people, you know, speaking life over you and, mm-hmm. you know, your voice is needed. And I think what's helping me with the podcast that's current, you know, it's launching pretty soon is there is a ton of fear for me as well. Like you were literally saying all the things like, who the hell is going to listen to me? Um, what do I have to say that's really different from what other people are saying? And at the end of the day, it's like, there's no other Lauren Devera, right? Like yep. there isn't, there's no one else that has my experience, my personality, um, the things that I've learned. But um, as also talking about like showing up um, scared, like I love that you said that we just keep showing up and, and I don't think there is a day. Oh, what I loved, I loved what you said on the podcast about you wake up every day feeling like you're coming to war like it's uh, <laughs> waking up and it's like a new war that you have to battle right mm-hmm. um and i'm like that's so true because we're in the midst of a season where we don't know when there's going to be an end we don't know when there's going to be a solution like a sound solution that pulls us out of this you know there's definitely still this cloud of anxiety over all of this um and so you saying that was like holy crap like Honestly, just waking up every day is a true gift. Like being here, like having the ability to create during this madness and having the ability to still teach from my home. Um, But yeah, Uh, to go back to the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I've had that (laughs) weird transition. I've had that. It's been written in a notebook of mine for many years. And I think it was starting to show up for me when I was a kid. So like when I would take a bath, I would pretend that I was being interviewed by Oprah. And like, I don't know for what the hell, like, I don't, I think in my mind, I was like, I'm, I always wanted to be like a famous actress, but I just never put in that time. And I was always dancing. So I'm like, I'm not ready to make that leap or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and then I'm like, holy moly, who knew that me talking to myself in that bathtub was manif- like preparing me and manifesting into a podcast many, many years later. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. So, and I think a lot of things have set me up for this podcast. Like I've been teaching for 10 years. I'm used to talking and guiding people the whole time. I am, 
you know, leading meditations and stuff like that. And, and then Jessica was like, she was that person that is like, Hey, I'll produce it for you. Let's do this. And I was like, okay, (laughs) like, I'm not going to, I'm not doing this by myself. I have someone that's in my corner and someone that can be a sounding board for me. And honestly, like, yeah, it's just been nice to have that person that you can text and be like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, what do we need to do here? And, um, but yeah, the the podcast is called Thrive and Thread. um, Because, you know, I think our life, we, we all aspire to thrive in our life, to flourish and to not just survive, right? To thrive. And the word thread, uh, many definitions, uh, you can think of it like dancing, like threading in our dance, um, the layers of our life, um, the threading of mindfulness and movement and positive psychology, and then hence thrive and thread. I, I love alliteration and it was short and sweet. It's a really great name. And I'm really excited, especially just from our conversations, like your soul and the way that you express yourself is I I have every confidence that's going to be a really great space for people to to learn more about themselves and to feel understood and to understand further outside of themselves. I'm really, really excited. I'm so glad that you're doing it. Thank you so much. it, It actually reminds me of when I first started my space, you know, three years ago, because I had all these reasons why I should not, and I have issues with that word should, right? Because like, who, who is authorizing this should, um, <laughs> but why I should not go forth and podcast, right? And I had all these reasons of like, well, there's tons of people who are smarter than me, who are more articulate and, you know, had all like literally probably like a hundred reasons why I was set up to fail or it's not going to be worthwhile. I have other things I can do with my time, X, Y, Z, right? But when I was working with my my a life coach at the time, which even that, like hiring a life coach, investing money into myself, asking somebody to help me mm-hmm. actualize my innermost like dreams and thoughts, that whole process was like a big deal for me. And out of that life coach session, that those three months that I committed to, yielded this part this podcast um yeah he was a real and it was just talking through fears and doubts and um things of like just fears of rejection like fears of not being enough and being judged and and saying the wrong thing and potentially honestly messing up someone's life because i may have given them improper guidance right like just all these reasons why I was like, I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. It's uh, better for me to just shut up. But we had this one session where I specifically remember popping off. <laughs> like, because I, I can do that. Um, I was like <laughs> popping off because I was like, you know, I listened to all these motivational speakers on YouTube, which again, I think so much, you know, the Tony Robbins and like all these sports coaches and like these wonderful men, these amazing men that, that speak a lot of fire into my heart. But there was something that after repeatedly listening to all these men, um, it wasn't like hating what they were saying because it did speak to me, but it was only speaking to a certain part of me. Okay. And then I was like, it started popping off because I was like, you know, they use all these analogies like war, which I still, part of me really resonates with that. But I was like, it's so aggressive, right? (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) it's so violent. And it's so like, 
And it's that male energy. And that's part of what I've been discovering through doing this podcast and doing spiritual work, like honoring the feminine in me, honoring the softness in me and honoring the the nurturing in me, because that's a huge part of who I am. And I was just like, I just like, I'm getting tired of hearing all of these voices telling me to go dominate and go like annihilate shit and like rip something's head off or whatever. Like, I appreciate that energy, but I'm like, it exhausts me too. And I was like, I don't think that that's the entirety of what motivates people. I think there are Mm -hmm. a lot of people who want to heal. I think there's a lot of people who want to rest and who want to nurture and, and just be free and breathe. And like, I just went off to my life coach about this. And he was like, Minji, do you understand if you had just recorded what you said? (laughs) He's like, that might have been a really good motivational speech that you could have put on YouTube. And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. And so it was, you know, that was one of the steps that led me to wanting to create this space. Not to dominate or, or outdo or annihilate, you know, all these wonderful, powerful men who are speaking truth to like our culture of go, 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 go. Because there is time for that. It has definitely fed my spirit. It's fed my achievements or whatever, like these things that I've qualified as like my successes. And also there's space to step back from that, to to balance that out by soothing ourselves for healing inner child trauma or, you know, giving space to like rest and breathe and and love on ourselves and to shower ourselves with compliments and to forgive other people forgive ourselves like there's that part of that narrative that I felt was not really present in a strong way and that's part of why I'm here is like I I think there is space for more female energy for more female voices again men can have female energy too it's not like a gender right. thing it's really about energy um and I can get very fired up, clearly, even as I'm speaking now. But but I wanted to be able to provide that space and um, give credit to that and stop minimizing the value of, of, of the enormity of breathing and forgiving and healing and soothing and loving and nurturing, right? I think our okay. culture, especially in America, has minimized that, in my opinion. It's very male-dominant, very aggressive, and we need the other part. Right. Absolutely. My opinion. No, I love that. I love all of that. Um, There's space for everyone at the table, you know, and I have to tell myself that because. Yeah, it's so easy to think that what you do doesn't matter, doesn't have impact or or doesn't make a difference. Um, But then you'll get that one text or that one DM or that one email. And, you know, now I try to make an effort to save anytime, you know, save those screenshots. Anytime someone says something along those lines to remind me that I do matter and my voice matters. And it's not about being right or being wrong. It's about sharing from my own experience and also knowing that our energy is needed. Um, not just for women, but for men too, or, you know, non-binary or however you identify um, that, yeah, I do agree that our society and culture, you know, you know, just looking at Instagram account names, boss, babe, hustle, you know, creating culture, you know, I'm not calling anyone out, but like, you know, what the focus is, is like doing more, being more, starting that business, um, which is great. Go create something dope and do it unapologetically. 
but please don't feel guilt about needing a day off. You know, don't feel guilt about having an emotional breakdown. Um, Don't shame your body because you ate 10 to 12 Oreos in one sitting, you know, like (laughs) you brought up the body thing too. And like, that's something that I've realized for myself, like, I, I carry a lot of shame around like my stomach and I've ne- I've never said that to anyone. Uh, this is the first time I'm saying this out loud, but like, it's like, okay, well, how, how do I love all parts of me? You know, I, I can't preach one thing and then not actually do it. So it, it takes work. It takes a lot of work and it, and it is daily work. Like you, it, there's no arrival. Like you don't all of a sudden you're like completely healed from it. Maybe, I don't know, but I don't know anyone that's like that. I I think we're all showing up every day, trying to be the best version of ourselves and offer the kindness and the grace that we so willingly give to others and giving that back to ourselves. I love it. That's what I'm recognizing too, is even the idea, the concept of what self-love even meant. I, I think originally I equated it to like, Not necessarily always, but just kind of letting myself off the hook. But that's not what it is. What I learned, you know, not letting myself off the hook. It's giving myself a break for for damn sure. It's like, it's okay if you didn't, if you didn't nail it. And who's to even qualify that, right? Um, It's okay that you didn't meet this particular goal, but are you going to give up on it? No. So it's, it's, maybe there's a mentality in these, and we're, we're working through understanding what that means. When you love something or someone, there's forgiveness and there's grace, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you, like for me, when I love my, my brothers and, you know, I will have space for them to be imperfect. I, if they mess up or do something that like is not particularly great, I'll call them out on it because they're my brothers, but I'm not going to hold that against them for all eternity. Right. And I'm not going to hold it over their head and I'm not going to beat them over the head with it and remind them like, yo, remember that one time that you did that blah, blah, blah. Like you asked, like, no, I'll give it like, yo, I don't think that was like the best thing to do. Like, but let's talk about that. Why did that happen? Like, what do you think is going on there? And what do you want to do to like do that? And this is what my brothers and I do for each other as as siblings to, to love on. And I'm so lucky for that. And so even I remember that when, when things go crazy in my family, which they do, we have a wonderful family that I sometimes resent and and blame to like, this is why I'm so messed up. Yeah, I feel that. You know, and, um, but coming back to that place of gratitude and grace again, to be like, you know, no, but I'm also lucky to have, have people that I can speak with that I genuinely like. And, um, you know, like that's, that's love, right? It's not, it's not all just rosy and and lovely and pleasure filled, I guess. It's just like Mm -hmm. always feeling good, but it's having, a lot of dimension and depth to it that like you can lean on it and you can trust it. And I think that trust element has been really important for me to build trust within myself. I think that's my way of loving myself is to trust myself. And I love earlier in this conversation, you were talking about feeling safe, like feeling safe to do X, Y, Z, right? Like feeling safe to speak up, feeling safe to to take an action and and potentially expose yourself to a vulnerable situation where you might get criticized and somebody might have an opinion about A, B, or C, right? That you yeah. said or that you did, but have enough space for yourself that like, you know what? That's 
that's interesting. And thank you for that feedback if you feel like it was worthwhile. And also to separate yourself from someone else's opinion, be like, I know who I am and I know what I want to say. And the fact that like, if you want to come at me and say, oh, like, who are you? So-and-so you don't even have followers or blah, blah, blah. Again, if that's their qualifying factor of like what they deem as being worthwhile, which I'm quickly separating myself from that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I used to think if I'm not reaching a million people, like who even am I? And that's so whack. And I'm just like, if I'm reaching one person, like, really, are you standing behind that? If you impacted one person, then that's enough for me to feel like I did something worthwhile. So you can come at me with that opinion of yours, but that doesn't, that doesn't change how I see my value. And that doesn't change how I see my worthiness. That takes, like you said, a lot of work to get there. But I feel like I'm approaching it more and more every day because I'm, I am analyzing, I'm sitting on that and being like, you know, my bigness or like my big or smallness is not based on external validation Mm. more and more. It's not based on like everyone in the world knows who I am. I'm like, that's not my goal. That's not what I'm aspiring to. I'm aspiring to help another human being out with something that they might be feeling alone with, period. So, yeah, I think like I said a lot. (laughs) You said it. You said it. You said, I mean, that's it. I, I feel that. I feel... All of that, you know, I'm taking a lot, <laughs> and also I'll say on the male on the male energy side again. Like this is just a energy; it's not about gender. But the the male energy has a lot of like competition, kind of mm-hmm. inherent in it. And I think there's space for healthy competition. It can be very motivating in a good way to kind of like keep going and keep improving, which I think is dope. And also if like, I just don't, I don't, mm, I'm not trying to live my life competing with everybody anymore. No, it's exhausting. I'm yeah. so tired. Yes. Like, no. So tired. I want to be happy. That. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Maybe that's even on the girl thing that we were talking about earlier, which is like that competition. Like there's no space for everybody. So you got to be like the alpha, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? I mean. Oh, yes. Yes. Alpha. Yep. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm actually on a crew called Alphas. Um, yeah, it's like, what am, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's the why? What, why mm. am I doing this to be the best? Am I doing the, you know, and that helps me stay focused. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, you were, you spoke on so many beautiful different things. Um, uh, some of the stuff about like, like, I love how you and your brothers hold each other accountable. And I think that that's so beautiful. Um, and I think that that's important that we can do that for ourselves to hold ourselves accountable for how we show up in other relationships. Um, and I feel like a lot of our pain points as human beings comes from relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a lot of that disappointment and pain comes from having these expectations from people. Um, And, you know, that inner, that inner child pain or that trauma that we've been through often comes from an unmet expectation or an unspoken expectation from a loved one Mm -hmm. that was supposed to be our safe space. Mm. And that can take a lifetime to like work through that. Um, But I think what's helped me for my like inner child pain was to start seeing other people as their childlike selves and 
you know, like our parents, especially who I, I feel that like I was holding bitterness for certain things with my parents mm-hmm. and I kept expecting a ch- like this change to happen that was just never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, damn, at this point, like I need to accept that this, this is how it is. And that doesn't take away from them loving me, loving me less or loving me more because at the end of the day, like everyone is doing what they think is the best thing to do. Right. And everyone's best looks different. And it's crazy because if I had known that, you know, like, and some people won't know this until much, much later, but like, if we can start to learn that now that everyone's just doing the best that they can with what they have, there's less judgment, less anger, less disappointment. Um, had I, you know, maybe learned this earlier, I would have been kinder in how I text people. Like I, I know <laughs> my triggers. Like I'll, I'll start to like, I used to have this bad habit and I'm, hopefully I'm almost done with it, but like <laughs> guilt trip people mm. when I wouldn't get what I wanted because they didn't follow through on their word. So in my mind, I'm thinking it's an integrity thing, but it's no, you didn't get what you wanted. So you're being a little brat about it. And now you're going to you're going to guilt trip them and you're going to think that they're going to learn from this lesson. But really what you just did was disconnect yourself in this relationship. So now Ooh. you are left with disconnection rather than a closer relationship. Ooh, that's girl. I need a moment. Like that's <laughs> so trust me. <laughs> I have in terms of the microscope, like, especially in the romantic side, because the family thing is one thing. And I think the family thing is very foundational. Like it, Again, like it's, it shapes a lot of, um, like I was saying in the inner child stuff, it shapes a lot of the way that we interpret the world. And then it it has like these deep seated expectations, I guess, or yeah. like uh, habits that we form in terms of our attachment styles, like anxious or avoidant or, you know, so that's that. And that's a lot. And then it's like, how does it then yield itself in relationships where this romantic and even professional? I see a lot of parallels actually about my own passive aggressiveness or my inability to ask for what I need. And that even ties to like the playing small thing because not having boundaries and not being able to say no and not being able to articulate or feel like I'm worthy to ask for what I need or something hurt me, to be able to just speak truth to that in a clear manner and not in even an accusing way, not even saying you're a shitty person because you did this to me. It's more like, yo, that hurt me, right? And even if they didn't intend to do that, but just to even say those, say that word or say that statement, however that comes out, say what you did hurt me. Yes. My, that has been um, very, very eye-opening for me of how much that did not exist. And there was growth in that. And I do see that there's been um, an evolution of myself throughout my relationships, but it was definitely a huge growth area for me still that I still feel uncomfortable and frankly, like a little scared because now I'm single and I'm having to figure out how am I going to show up for myself and what kind of person do I want to be to attract the right kind of person that we can together build a good relationship together. I'm like really Mm -hmm. checking myself. But that boundary thing and like, I think the boundaries connect so much with like playing small and Mm -hmm. and being able to show up for yourself to be like, I'm not okay with that. And 
if I want to work with you, if I want to date you or whatever that is to be able to show up for yourself and be like, hey, in a non-aggressive, like accusatory attacking way, but be like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I need. This is what I like. This is what I prefer. I want to have space for what you like. And hopefully we can find a way to align together. But just being that, like just living up to that is my version of like not playing small. If I want to value my freelance work, like I'm not going to do free work or I'm not going to be underpaid for something that I know is more valuable, right? Um, I'm not going to give away all of my time. um, And I, I can calibrate that based on the situation, but things like that, like it's, again, it bleeds out to everything, like showing up for yourself and not playing small, having value for yourself and, and knowing that you're worth recognition, whether that's through money or whether that's through verbal cues or whatever it is. I'm still learning that. I just love everything you said. No, that's so, so good. I, I think definitely, I love that you brought up like how that shows up professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think about previous jobs and how, um, it, had I known how to better navigate my own emotions, like I probably mm-hmm. would have had more pleasant um, conversations with certain people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and also being aware that, uh, you know, my parents would say that I have a temper growing up and I kept like denying that I had this temper and then, you know, it would show up as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I literally was like having a flashback to when I was a kid, like having a tantrum and then experiencing that as like a full grown adult was like, holy ish, I I do have a temper. Like there's something that that snaps inside me. And yep. It's because something, someone did something that, you know, made me feel disrespected and, and then that's connected to the ego. And if you're operating from a place of ego, you know, you're not coming from the most clear headed space because, you know, if we want to get all scientific, our prefrontal cortex is lift up and our amygdala is exposed and we're in that fight or flight or freeze mode. And if you don't have an awareness for when you're triggered, oh man. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a hot mess. <laughs> like, it's been messy. I'll say that on my end. It yeah. has been messy. Who I yeah. and there's a lot of, and also I'll say because we could go on this for the next eight hours, but there's a <laughs> lot of shame there too. Like I, I would pop off in that way too. For for someone like me, I have a temper as well. And when I it was 100 percent feeling disrespected or feeling condescended to or minimized or just not honored right as a person yeah. it, it would trigger a very strong reaction with me so it still does like emotionally internally even though I can kind of temper my reaction now and my response because I'm grown now and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I I am better um but I'm still aware I feel it you know what I mean that fire and you're like oh <laughs> oh something's not something's not good but it would it would absolutely result historically in like a really <laughs> bad reaction and yes. there'd be a big meltdown. I would re- I would respond in a very ugly way. And then afterward, like right in the direct aftermath, I would feel so bad about myself and yes. so ashamed and be like, I'm mm. the worst person to ever walk the face of the earth. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe I, I act that way. I can't believe I said that stuff. Like I do believe it because I said it, but then like, why am I this way? And it's like a spiral. So I'm I'm just being honest about that because we're all imperfect and we all have our yes. tendencies, but 
you know, I think that 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 cycle of of kind of unmitigated reactionary emotion and outbursts mm-hmm. and then spiraling into shame and guilt and feeling like we're, I'm not worthy, like I don't deserve good things. I'm a bad person. That narrative is is very tough to break. But on that note, I do want to encourage people because I do think I've come such a long way out of that. It's still a work in progress and it it will be forever. I've accepted that. But there's a way to to break that cycle. I truly 110% would love to use myself as as a point of encouragement that I don't feel as triggered as before. I don't feel as Mm -hmm. out of control. And I'm going to need to keep an eye on that forever. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, I don't think that it's the same, it's the same as before, personally for me. That's so good. Um, I want to say that the brain is malleable. It can change. Like we literally can make new neural pathways. And so I want to like piggyback off of what you said, that it is possible to change for the better Mm -hmm. or to improve ourselves and, and be more well-rounded in our emotions because you know this isn't to say that anger is bad right mm-hmm. this isn't to say that shame isn't bad it, it it can be bad if you stay there for too long yes right yes but you know as healthy human beings we need to experience all range of emotions um but yeah i think that that's beautiful i think that um going through i well first of all i think it's it's really dope to hear someone else say that they had this temper and this fire inside them. Cause oftentimes you feel like you're the only one. <laughs> like, yes. So I'm and, so grateful you said it. I'm like, holy crap. We're like way more similar than I thought. We were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I know it could lead into a much longer conversation, but I do want to say that because of this temper and this other side of me that not everyone has seen, I think that that, ties into the imposter syndrome of like what if they really find Mm. out i'm not this peaceful (gasps) mindful teacher who you know looks so zen all the time but actually like just went nuts you know what i mean girl i mean my (laughs) friends the ones uh, like the inner sanctum friends they know you know and i i'm more increasingly open about i'm like yo i'm like (laughs) the hulk (laughs) i literally have called myself that yes and it's yes. scary. And then I, I feel embarrassed and I want to, you know, keep it 100. But I'm like, that's so embarrassing. And that's scary because, <laughs> again, it's awareness that like I, I understand that there's a certain perception of me that other people have. And somebody actually said, well, I've had mixed reactions. There are people who've said, I haven't seen you angry, but I would. They're like, I just know I would never want to make you mad. <laughs> and I, I was dying. I was like, well, okay. And then the other part is like, yeah, you're scary. Like I've heard people say that to me, right? And I'm like, yo. And that really was like a point of reflection of like, how do I? And not being overly concerned. This is back when I was like overly concerned with whether people thought, but it was feedback, right? It was just data for me to be like, well, mm-hmm. damn, and. And and reflecting on that and being like, is that the kind of person that I want to be? And I've actually come to peace with the fact that, yeah, I can have a temper. But to me, I, I've accepted like if it's over something that I feel is in my value system, right or wrong. If, if, if I'm getting mad about something that's heinously unjust. Right. Like, you know, the way that black people are treated in this world, especially in America. 
I'm okay with that. I've accepted, like, I'm okay with having, and I want to then channel and not live there, but channel Mm -hmm. that anger to doing something about it that is constructive. But on the other side, it's like, okay, if I don't want to just walk around being an angry person, specifically for my life, that I don't want to be exhausted and ashamed or feeling like I'm out of sync with myself by just being an angry person, quote unquote, then like, what's what's that part that I got to do there? And that's the other part that I've been really, I think, spending more time on and practically applying things like coming full circle to journaling or meditation or exercise or mix and, and cooking and like a mix of all of those things and therapy to to address that and not let that just fester right and basically overrun and run my life because that's I, I'm not about that like yeah. ain't nobody got time for that I have things I want to do <laughs> yeah and I think too you know being including like our environment like I it's all connected you know, like if you're constant, if your temper's constantly being triggered, then I would question like, well, who are you hanging out with? What's happening in your space? Who are you living with? Where are you working? Because I know like the most volatile season of my life, my job was not healthy. My home space was not healthy. Yeah. It was like more than one thing that was like feeding into this like really unhealthy um, emotional state that I felt like I had no control over. Right. Um, And then, you know, now that, you know, here we are past 30 and more self-awareness, more tools in our tool belt. um, And just to encourage people that like when you find your people that really love you and have seen you in your ugliest moments and they're still down for you, like you need to hold on to those people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there have been many times where I have gotten comfortable like apologizing to people when I feel like what I said was a little, you know, not like it was a little snarky or, you know, (laughs) and just being mindful of like the friends that are are open and receptive to me when I voice what I need from the friendship. You know, going back to earlier in this in this episode was, you know, being friends with adults, being an adult Mm. and finding friendship and it's been harder now, but there are those people out there that are coming from a healthy place and yeah. are open to feedback. And that's really, that's really what it is. It's like, are the people around you open to your feedback? Right. If not, then like, that's a one, that's a one way relationship. For sure. And, and that, yeah. that, that goes to, for me, at least like feeling fears of rejection. Like, oh, if I'm not overly pleasing to these people if I'm not the most perfect friend or I'm not the most perfect version of me then I'm going to lose that friendship I'm going to lose that that bond or they're not going to want to be my friend or whatever and 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 that having that not even that mindset but having that version of my energy exist as a person has attracted other people who are kind of the same way and it's so fragile I feel like it's such a fragile relationship like if somebody messes up or it steps out of line in an XYZ way, suddenly it's like all bets are off. You know what I mean? Like you can just like, you might as well just not call them a friend anymore. And that's that's a scary feeling to walk around with. Like you can't, you don't have space to mess up. Um, you don't have space to be a human or apologize or, you know, forgive or be forgiven. So I think that that's totally true in terms of being aware of those people that are willing to 
accept an imperfect version of you and yeah. vice versa to you. I, I found the best thing that I'm recognizing through bumps in the road with friends of mine, the best way to have friends is to be one, right? And if you mm-hmm. can't be imperfect and you can't accept imperfection from others, it's kind of setting yourself up for like a lonely path potentially. And maybe mm-hmm. that's just the part of the journey to like figure that out. But that's a learning lesson of mine is to have space for myself to be somebody who who needs and can accept feedback and and give it out to. And that's really freaking hard. Again, a simple concept, harder <laughs> to like walk that walk. But I think it's important to say out loud because Absolutely. I think it, it lends to like the most fruitful relationships, which at the end of the day, must also recognizing on the practical side, we're all recognizing to, at least not we're all, I won't speak for everybody. I'm recognizing like, why am I working so hard? I want to make money. And like, again, speaking to culture of America and like this world of, that we've been living in, um, like, why am I working so hard? Really though? Like I'm working hard. I want to make money. Like, okay, feed my ego, feel all amazing. And like, I'm a boss bitch. But then at the end of the day, I've spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, and I don't feel particularly fulfilled. It's because to me, I'm recognizing more and more now relationships matter and feeling happy with my family, feeling like I had a good connection, a good conversation, um, a good experience that I traveled, that I did things that like fed my soul. That's really important to me. And that's helping me temper that competitive drive or that need to please or whatever and just mm-hmm. answer so that answer that that part of me that's like no you need to rest you need to watch a movie like girlfriend put down your laptop and go watch pride and prejudice and you don't feel bad about it at all yes absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean it all ties into the self-awareness like what do i need moment by moment mm-hmm. and you know, and also I think getting clarity on like, well, what are your basic or what are your values? You know, and I've gotten really clear on what my values are. And some of them are creativity, flexibility, vitality, and freedom. And a lot of those things I could not get in a nine to five job. And I could not understand why I was not thriving in a nine to five job. But that's because at the time I didn't realize that it wasn't exercising the very things that meant so much for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm and really, really happy that you are now. <laughs> Trying, girl. It's it's hard. It's I hard. know. I know. It's hard. Well, but. I'm really, really grateful that you are doing this work and that you're able to like talk to me from Virginia right now. Like mm. I, I'm in the attitude of gratitude mm. of technology. And I think there's a lot of really beautiful, meaningful things that are coming out of a weird, strange moment in time. And, um, you know, I think there's a way to kind of mine for gold in the middle of a crisis. I think it's spiritual gold. I think it's like finding our true selves, like what really matters, values, and then putting things into practice, like a routine. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just like really trying to glean all of the magic that has transpired in the last hour and a half here because I want to do our key takeaways. But what would you, I, I mean... I I 100% want you to come back, Lauren. I want us to continue these conversations, especially as you start your podcast and like what you're learning as you you build your, your channel, your space. Uh, But what, what are like closing thoughts that you would, you would want to wrap up this episode with? That whoever's listening, if they feel like, you know, 
I'll speak to you. If you feel like you're crazy and you don't know what the hell you're doing, you're not alone in that. And that you are capable of creating the life that you think is so far away from you. You can create that right now in this present moment. Mm. Um, And that may start with just taking a look around at your space and starting with the gratitude. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. And then really start speaking into your own life the things that you want more of and the things that you value. And instead of maybe working towards a goal, maybe work towards a feeling. How do you want to feel at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. How do you want to feel at the end of 2020 when you look back? Mm. And that's kind of what's helped me know how to show up every day, where to put my attention and my energy into. And that's not to say that this is the only way, but it's helped me approach things with more clarity and more play. That's something that I we don't do enough of, like just playing around and exploring and trying new things and, yes. you know, incorporate Netflix in your lunch break. Like I've been doing that now, like to kind of reset my brain, like I'll eat and watch an episode and then, and then go back. So taking breaks here and there and that um, if you feel suppressed in any kind of way, like through your voice or through your body, like to start moving through that, exercising it in whatever way makes sense for you. I love that. I love that it ties um, the the abstract to the practical. I think that's really, really powerful what you just said. And I, in closing, I would supplement that. Um, getting in touch with your feelings and what your actual vision for yourself is, whether that's emotional or like an outcome, like you're trying to start a channel or you want to switch jobs or like, but how figure out how do you want to feel has been really, really powerful for me, especially someone who's like so into law of attraction. I think it's like use your imagination to like think, mm-hmm. what is that version of me feel like? How does that person wake up every day? How do they feel? And then I'm all about reverse engineering, right? Like um, using all your senses to get there. And then that's like, again, a very big thing to say. I and I'll say on the practical side, start really, really small. Yes. Um, to show up for yourself and not to play small, you can start by being doing small things, which is girl or boy or whoever, <laughs> make your playlist. I'm telling you, yes, COVID has transformed my musical appreciation. Mm-hmm. I listen to music every freaking day. Yeah. I go for a walk every day. I make tea for myself, like really small things. Yeah. But these are like acts of kindness and love to myself that make me feel fabulous and make me feel safe and make me feel motivated. And that over time can add up to something really incredible. So momentum. Yes. Create that momentum for yourself through practical little things, you know, eat well, eat things that you like that are good for you. Um, I just think that they add up and we just every day show up. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much. Can you can we plug your your upcoming podcast that's coming out, your social, like whatever it is that you want to share? How yes. can people follow you? Yes, thank you so much. Um the new podcast is called Thrive and Thread. Um and we have an Instagram account that we're building. And it's Thrive and A and D Thread. 
Uh, my personal Instagram is the Lauren Devera. And if you'd like to work with me, you can visit my website, uh, lauren-devera.com. And you can also find out about the lion's den and, and other things like that. But yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lauren. Happy belated birthday again. Same to you. And thank you for being you and for answering the call to do a podcast three years ago because (laughs) you are an inspiration to so many and you're a badass. And it was a complete honor for me to be here with you today. Same here, my dear. I'm so happy that thank you. And shout out to Jessica. Thank you, Jessica, Jessica. for (laughs) connecting us. Follow, we will follow our intuition. We'll we'll keep pursuing the dreams. And I'm really looking forward to your podcast, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All. Thank you for Lauren for being such an incredible guest. And I hope that you enjoyed our conversation on Stop Playing Small. Show your girl Lauren some love. Go check out our new podcast, Thrive and Thread. Go subscribe, leave a five-star review and follow her on Instagram. You know, these are such in crazy times. I was going to say crazy, insane, but instead I just said in crazy. So that might be a new thing. Anyways, it is both insane and crazy times. And I just want to send love to all the, the content creators out there. I've honestly incorporated all this different type of content, whether it's YouTube or honestly, even Instagram content or podcasts, like they've been helping me survive and stay centered and learn new things about external things like money or, you know, real estate or whatever, but also very much about myself. So I think the best way to appreciate these content creators is to give them that like, that subscribe. I feel like I'm on YouTube. Smash that like button. (laughs) But yes, show your love. These, these small acts of kindness and gratitude go a long way. And if you'd like to show your love to me, I would greatly appreciate that. Please go leave a five-star review. I will love you forever. I read them. Thank you so much. Um, I wish that some of these handles identified who people were because I don't know who you are. I just know your handle. But I appreciate you so, so much. And it really does mean a lot to me. It helps people discover my podcast, which is a thing, you guys. I'm getting more comfortable with that. This is me not playing small. I'm able to be like, hey, guys, if you like my podcast, please subscribe to me. I'm I'm able to say that clear, you know, wins. And uh, thank you. Huge, huge thank you to my Patreon family. I haven't been properly thanking y'all every week, so I apologize. Please blame the COVID brain. But no, I'm taking responsibility. Anyways, I love you. Thank you for your just ongoing support for being my weekly therapy session. And just being people that continue to educate me, inspire me. Thank you to my new patrons who've come around, especially during this, this, again, insane time. Snacky Diddly Do. I don't know your actual name, but that's... Thank you for your patronage and thank you to Clover, my other Patreon patron who's who's just been great. I got to meet her for a hot second on our Google Hangout. Thank you so much. Um, and if you'd like to become a supporter of Patreon uh, for me, you can go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. If you'd like to make a, a donation for any reason, you can go to PayPal and just find first of all pod. And you can email me at first of all pod at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram at first of all pod. I also have a new website, so 
go find all the things. Link is in the bio. Y'all know where to find it. But yeah, it's great. Um, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep moving forward, and we're gonna keep soldiering on with all of this goodness. We want to be here for you while we are there for ourselves. Together, we're gonna be okay. This is like my pep talk to myself. Oh my gosh! Thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Marvin, you're the best. Thank you for holding it down for first of all. And also for the Potluck Podcast Collective, which I'm a very proud member of. So go check that out. That's a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Thank you to Run River North for use of their song, Pretty Lies, for the intro and outro. I freaking love you and I love this song. And I Instagram storied that I was inspired to write a film specifically to open with that song. And I will manifest and actualize that right here, that it is happening. I have a concept. I am writing the script for a short film using pretty lies. So that's amazing. I don't care if there's a pandemic. I'm going to create art and it'll be great. I hope. So yeah, you guys, I love you so much. And um, I just appreciate you being here virtually with me, energetically with me. To survive all of this madness and please count your blessings every single day ask for help if and when you need it there's no shame in it it is for your betterment it is for your growth and we can all use that humility to be aware of our fragility as people take care of yourselves okay the world needs you i need you to be well and i believe in you a thousand percent i freaking mean it you're hearing this if you stuck around this long i need you to know that i believe in you and i believe that there's something good and wonderful and valuable and precious inside of you so bring that forward um and let's keep rising together okay all right that's it for this week's episode stay tuned there's some really good stuff coming some cool announcements i love all of you have a good week We're still here, and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app.